live from the Fremont Theater in Portland, Oregon, it's Portland Story Theater's Urban Tellers. May the narrative be with you. First of all, today, Bluebird Day, huh? Wasn't it gorgeous? It felt like a gift. It was a delight. I have been looking for delights my entire life. Uh, it's that thing. You've all had it happen, you know? You're, you're late, you're driving, and it's green lights all the way. Or, or maybe you've just had the crappiest day ever, and you got laid off, and you look up, and it's the full harvest moon. Or you're, you just can't wake up. You're in your backyard with coffee, and, and a whole flock of finches just lands on the bush next to you, and they're all chattering. And, and you know that this is this delight that is just for you. It's got your name on it. And through the years, there's little delights, and then there's really important ones that have happened. And it's, it's that thing that I depend on now. It's that thing from the universe that tells you to just let go of whatever it is you're worried about, to, to open your eyes and see that beauty that's right in front of you. Here now. Uh, my first experience of this was when I was a kid growing up in Maine. Uh, there were eight of us crammed into a house. Uh, my dad, my stepdad, he was a Marine and he came back from Vietnam and he was different when he came back. My mom was depressed. And then there's six kids and I'm in the middle. And at some point, I developed this superpower that said, not my circus, not my monkeys. My superpower was to disappear. And so I got really good at that, especially, you know, around dishes. <laughs> but um, one way was to read. Uh, my mom, for some reason, I don't know why, but she went grocery shopping. and instead of bringing back treats for me that she did with all the other kids, something told her to pick up this paperback of Black Beauty. And there on the, on the cover was this beautiful horse. And it was this story of, of how it was mistreated and then had a happy ending. I cried. And I'm telling you, Black Beauty is a gateway drug for little girls. <laughs> It's, it's, it led to all the Marguerite Henry stories, Misty of Chincoteague, and Justin Morgan had a horse, and, and oh my goodness, Walter Farley's Black Stallion. Yeah. Oh man, there's Alec Ramsey. The, he, was, he was 12 years old, and he was like a jockey on the world's most magical horse ever. And uh, then there was wise but firm Henry Daly, the manager who gave him all his racing advice and, and the super supportive parents, Mr. and Mrs. Ramsey. And, and I just ate them all up. I, I, I became obsessed with horses. I had to have the horse books. There was 
Black Stallion Returns, The Flame and Black Stallion, The Ghost and Black Stallion, The Ghost of the Black Stallion. It, it was that thing that helped me get away, that helped me discover who I was. And I realized that I was going to be a jockey. Because, you know, when you're young, everybody, every single day, they're asking you, what are you going to do with yourself? What do you want to be when you grow up? And, and I, I wanted to be a lot of things. I wanted to be an astronaut. Well, my dad said, you, you better do better at math. And I said, OK. And I want to be a pilot. Well, they don't let girls into the Air Force. They don't let them fly planes. And I was like, OK, this is like 1968. And, and it just seemed the jockey was the way to go. <laughs> I mean, I was well-read now. I knew all about thoroughbreds. I knew all about racing. I could be a jockey. I could, I, I didn't mind getting the mud from the racetrack. I, I, I didn't mind the sweat from the withers of the horse. I knew all the parts of the horse, the flank and the withers, and the, the sweat blowing back on your face inside. And, like, yeah. and then um, I, I, I didn't mind using the whip on my fellow jockeys. You know, I could do this. And I was going to be the youngest girl jockey. I watched all the Triple Crown races. I was there on Secretariat when Secretariat won the Triple Crown. The other thing was preparation. I walked a dog every week, every day for $5 a week. And that was going to earn money to you know, somehow earn a horse and become an equestrian in, in the Olympics. It was just some big dreams. And, and so I walked this dog, and so that was the other way I escaped. I could get out into the beautiful, crisp fall air like today. But, you know, if you haven't been to Maine, you haven't seen the fall. The fall is, is this brilliant red, brilliant yellow, brilliant orange. It, it, the air is just like today, only more so. And uh, there were woods that were forbidden uh, back behind the uh, junior high where I walked the dog in a big field. And, and uh, that's where I could just go and, and plan my life. And I would I remember so vividly watching the jets fly across. And I, I think, who's on that jet? Who, who's sitting next to who? What, what are they talking about? Where are they going? Am I always going to be stuck here? So I'm going to be a jockey. I got my life all planned out in 12. And then one day, my dad just very casually says, you know, being a jockey may not be a good idea. You see, I was this height in sixth grade. And, uh, and he said, you're too damn big to be a jockey already. I thought, no, I don't have to eat. <laughs> um, he 
said, give it up. Up until then, every Christmas, what do you want for Christmas? I want a horse. That's too much money. I, I want riding lessons. It's too much money. I, I, want, I want to go to horse camp. No, we don't have the money. Here, here's, here's a potholder loom. Why don't you make a potholder? <laughs> and so now this blow from my dad, and it's like, yeah, I got to go walk the dog. Not my circus, not my monkeys. And I'm out there, and I don't know what I'm going to do with myself now, because he was right. And then, all of a sudden, a portal opened up. And out of the forbidden woods came a horse. <laughs> and riding this horse was the most beautiful girl in the world. And I, this was a big horse. It was a thoroughbred. I knew my breeds. And I, I went up, and I said, what's your horse's name? And she said, Bucky. You want to pet my horse? I said, yeah. And so I'm, I'm petting the horse. And I'm, this is it's just a beautiful horse. He was bay, and he had a uh, black mane. And, and he was so tall. And, and that girl, she looked at me. She saw something in my face. And another portal opened up. And she said, you want to ride my horse? And I, have you ever ridden before? And I, and I was thinking, technically, yes. <laughs> it was a, a pony going around and around. It was kind of miserable. It wasn't Alec Ramsey, and it wasn't the Black Stallion. And she said, I'll hold your dog. And I go, OK, all right. And so she held out her hand, and she said, just put your foot in here, and I'll boost you up. You're light enough. He needs a good workout. I want you to run him really hard. And I'm like, OK, I can do this. <laughs> and I gave him his head, because you know, I didn't want to you know, hurt his mouth and make it hard like black beauties. That was terrible. And, and I thought, if I just kind of you know, grip him with my knees, I could make it. She said, kick him. And I said, oh, I'm going to hurt the horse. I can't kick him. Oh, he won't even feel it. Kick him. And so I kicked him. And now I'm trying. <laughs> and my, eye, my teeth are, are jar, jarring out of my head. And, uh, and she said, kick him harder. And I did. <laughs> and it was just. If you've ever cantered on a horse, it's just the most beautiful loping feeling. It was just, I mean, think about it. There's all this power under your legs, prepubescent girl. <laughs> I was 10 feet higher. There was, I wasn't there anymore. I mean, I was there, but I wasn't there. I mean. The world wasn't as small anymore. The world was now big. I was a citizen of the world with a capital C. The, the colors going by were just a blur. And I could feel the horse breathing under me. And I could 
there was that air. It was like right out of the book. I was Alec Ramsey. This was my race horse. She said, go around again. Kick him harder. And I did, and now it's a gallop. And now I'm holding on for dear life. And go around again. And I went three times, and then I pulled him up. And, and by this time, it, on his withers, uh, <laughs> he had all this sweat, and it was flecking into my face. And it was foaming up just the way it did in the book. I mean, and she helped me hop down. She gave me the dog back, and I said, thank you. She said, sure. <laughs> And she went back into the woods. The portal closed. Um, I ran home. I had burst into tears. And then I collected myself and I said, Mom, Mom, guess what? Guess what just happened? And she said, just a second, dear. Go uh, set the table. And I never did tell anybody about it. And I'm glad I didn't, because I didn't want anybody ruining it. But I knew that that day was one of my very first experiences with joy. Since then, I go back to that story. Because these delights, they happen all the time. To me, it's my superpower. I got another one. It's like noticing when these things happen. And some are little, some are big. I'm at another place in my life now where I, uh, I don't know what to do with myself anymore. I don't know what's going to happen to me. My 30-year marriage is over. And now I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. But I do know that I'm going to wake up every day and I'm going to say, where is my delight? I want my delight. <laughs> and I've got my eyes peeled. <laughs>